Sutra 26 The Second Bhumi Practicing the Eight Limbs of Yoga burns away impurities where the light of wisdom dawns. There arises illumination which develops into the awareness of reality. Question When we hear good wisdom, how do we retain it without grasping? Whenever I hear good spiritual wisdom, I want to hold it and remember it forever. But the more I cling to it, the more I seem to suffer while I try to retain it. We practice, and it becomes living wisdom. We observe and listen. We engage in living wisdom. Some people think Shambhala is a physical kingdom, but the kingdom of Shambhala is living wisdom. Living wisdom, all of nature is trying to teach us that it's all living wisdom, said forgiveness. And the seasons themselves had a natural rhythm to this living wisdom. The wind went on and on while the mountain remained pinned. One morning a cloud of mist covered the air as a certain awareness made things appear dense and foggy. And so I walked until I believed I walked out of my own body. I pictured this fog like a fresh layer of snow, some sort of new pathway that would arise from wherever I was called to go. It became joyful and light, humorous and quirky. This land was always welcoming me in, even if my mind stream thought it might be trying to trick me. There was always a lesson, or an explanation in time. This land had it all figured out, and everything was aligned. Free as where to go, there was still no way I could ever climb. But I found myself beside the base of the mountain, and there was a tiny cave that no one else had come to find. The cavern was simple, a place where there were no cares, a retreat or hibernation, a rest, death, or quest for creatures of the wilderness like a man or a bear. Oh goodness, I peeked inside, it was empty and bare, oh who dare, not me oh my, but maybe I'll go inside and release all the things that are supposed to die. Now why? Why would that exact thought arise? Telling some part of me to die? Oh no, not me! Or is this an opening that's trying to set the real seer, that great soul, free? Who, me? Well, it's the me that I cannot quite see. Ah, I see. So there's something within that's doing its best to alert me. Yes, a bit like nature. The whole world sends signs, but up here in this cavern, I have no choice but to obey her. The land was a boomy, a real essence that I saw as a seer. And who would have thought it was all the way up here? The first boomy was the awareness of basic intelligence of the surroundings, that the land has a pulse. We must listen closely if we want to hear the whisper of a great and holy ghost. Invisible in nature, clear in plain sight. She worked through every moment by weaving threads through each soul up until the moment of death. And those threads pulled us here, and so we gathered together on the spiritual quest. It is a quest, because for the first time, we cannot fathom what could be coming next. The higher awareness breaks through, and the sun comes upon us, 
With that light shining down on the mountain, I swear I saw a brass door with a single crack on it. A door? What for? It's not too high up. Maybe about four floors. Well, this must have been like a quest, because the curiosity caused me to wonder even more about that brass door. I'd heard of a brass door before. Or what was it that I couldn't remember? There appeared to be bars sealing the door off as if no one was allowed to enter. Well, I couldn't even think of getting to the brass door because I was all the way down here. Then the wind passed by, which made me think of that great seer. I knew there was a boomy here. I'm sure of it all right. And the only way I could describe her is like waking up after you might be dreaming all night. It's a sudden flash of sight, a glimpse into reality as it truly is, the connection to the moment that gives the breath which allows us to live. Oh, we must forgive. At this point, the first boomy was coming through me, and so I'm kind of like a brass door. Come on and crack my heart open. But how, when it's stranded upon that fourth floor? Or should I describe her like energy, a sudden state of mind? I knew she was all-pervasive, but I could not understand the ways in which nature was perfectly aligned. No soul was left behind. The energy cannot be created or destroyed. It was an infinite source waiting for you to notice, then to rejoin. That's the art of yoga, the coming together, union at last, the joining of father and mother. The lightning flashed. A human interwoven with weather? A relinking to the divine where it all comes together, she said. Together, there was a certain flow. We, not me, and that is how it should go. It was not about me. The weather starts with we. You see the seasons change, and what is their nature that you come to find? There's a certain rhythm that keeps going no different than the mind. When the mind is aligned, there's a spiritual jewel that we will find. It's a spiritual treasure, and it begins by the taming of the mind. There beside me, you'll never believe what I saw. There was something within this cave, and it was a simple prayer wheel upon a stick with a little wheel at the end of it. Someone had made this, and they left it right here. It was not a toy nor a weapon, but the top did spin in circles. Words were imprinted in Sanskrit. Omane Padme Home was written in circles upon it. I looked upon it as if those words wanted to flow. There I spun the wheel and watched the wind blow. There was nothing to know, only things to let go. Something was dying here, but something much deeper was about to sprout and grow. I looked up to the fourth floor where I saw the brass door. I swear there was a crack in it. I knew it was something, and that tiny crack gave me something to believe in and not quit. You see the real seer, the one that's trapped behind my ego. Well, it's been waiting for a long time to resurface, and I can't tell what happens when the brass door is opened. Why behind that brass door I think is the seer, that great and righteous source. There was something so spectacular about Kailash, and whatever its mystery was, I couldn't wait until it came forth. Omane Bedme Home. A rhythm began to run like a horse upon the earth, a stampede of wind steeds, 
but not a body came forth. Ohm, wind horse. Again I heard her, and now I was curious of where we'd gone. The cave and this prayer wheel were all I had, but then again, there's no material in the gone beyond. What if we open the brass door and it's empty? What if it's just an old room? You know, the king's chamber in the Egyptian pyramid was empty, or so they say. And I've heard there's giant granite slabs overhead, so I do wonder if the whole structure is like a tomb. But all this work for just one empty room? Come on, no one would build something so dumb. Something smart put that door there, and I am curious of what might be beyond it. Well, I'm in no rush, and there's nothing I should expect in it. I'll come back to the moment. Now I notice how thoughts project, and I shouldn't mess with the logic, otherwise it makes the thoughts more perplexed. Like if I comment or criticize some words, and go on about some flow, then eventually we'd arrive back in the moment which holds the wisdom that most don't know. And what's beyond the brass door? Is it where we're called to go? And so forgiveness spoke. The mysterious kingdom of Shambhala, also known as Shangri-La, is a legendary kingdom that is believed to be somewhere in the Himalayas. It is shaped like an eight-petal lotus or a lapis lazuli pyramid. Shambhala means peaceful or tranquil. It is a palace of enlightenment and spiritual bliss. It is a hidden land where people live in harmony and peace, free from suffering. Within it waits, Rudra Chakran. Who? True. When the incarnation takes place, it will end the age of Kali, and Rudra will kill the evil beings. The age of illusion will be over. Once the brass door is opened, the whole veil will break open. Shambhala cannot be seen with the physical eyes, and many have searched for it, but none have ever found it said forgiveness, then how do you know of it? It's not something you know, but there is a path to understand. Those without a body know to seek it, and so it must be found when a soul embodies life as a human woman or man. The only one who can open that door is a human being. That is the way to open the veil and enter into eternal seeing. In essence, a great release, a spacious place to hold peace and relief, a shift into the heart and healing for grief. Many wonder, how could life come to this? But still we do not quit. A shift to healing will emerge once the brass door is opened, said forgiveness. But the way, how will one travel and go? You said this is something to be understood, yet how can it be known? That's like asking how the plants, creatures, and people are grown. I do not know, yet they grow. So how must I go, if it is not something I can know? Let go, and I will show the best place to start. There is the Eightfold Path, which I call the journey into the fire of the burning heart. It's a lot like a fire, purification of the soul, something to tear away all that isn't needed to prove that your spiritual essence is complete and whole. Many call it dying, but it's not so bad. If I tell you and you understand this, then you shouldn't hesitate to commit. Because once you start, you can't really turn back. You must finish once you get a glimpse, and forward is better. 
commit without hesitation, and the spirit will respond with the weather. She'll teach you in ways that few could ever know. But remember, this is something to understand, and it only happens when our desires can be released as we let go. Not something to know, but rather something to do. Living wisdom is the entry into the process of great transformation. It's how Windhorse turns blue, said forgiveness. How? By the practice of the eight limbs of yoga, the impurities dwindle away and there dawns the light of wisdom, leading to discriminative discernment. It could also be said that the practice of these eight limbs destroys impurity where the spiritual illumination dawns, which develops into awareness of our reality, said Mr. Kismet. This is the entry into the second Bhumi, which is the essence of purity or spotlessness. On this path, passive sitting and active awareness in everyday life becomes one. In terms of the five paths or rivers, the second Bhumi to the tenth Bhumi are connected with the fourth path, the fourth river, which is the path of meditation, said forgiveness. And what is it that's within each Bhumi? What is its essence? Here is the Paramita of Discipline, which is one of the six transcendent virtues. Paramita here means gone to the far shore, when you have touched the other side of the veil. Although the Bodhisattva practices all ten Paramitas, here the emphasis is on discipline. Usually the idea of discipline or morality is based on rules and regulations, and not following the rules inflicts guilt. But in this case, discipline is self-existent, and there is no guilt. So discipline becomes pure rather than a threat. The practice of generosity could be tainted by a belief in the individual self and a quality of self-indulgence. You may feel that you are resourceful already, so you don't have anything to purify. So along with generosity, discipline brings out and cleanses any germs that you have collected. With discipline, you do not indulge in the sense pleasures. You are interested in understanding the meaning of Dharma, and you are interested in how the world functions. You are working for the benefit of all sentient beings, but you do not have a particular scheme, and you don't keep a diary of how many people you have saved or how great of a social worker you are. Instead, there is a quality of simplicity. That simplicity is the key to helping other people as well as yourself, said forgiveness. What is the purpose of the second Bhumi? The purpose of developing the second Bhumi to the tenth Bhumi is to completely transcend the realm of God. At this point, you have already transcended the world of passion or desire, which includes the hell realm, the hungry ghost realm, the animal realm, the human realm, the jealous idol realm, and the God realm, which could be called Indra. But there are higher forms and formless God levels connected with the idea of totality, or Brahma. On the path of meditation, you are not only transcending the karmic cause of being reborn in one of these six realms, but you are also transcending the highest experience of God in its realm. You are transcending the absorptions or yana states. The absorption states of God are largely based on a sense of ego-oriented joy. The blissfulness of the God realms is connected with a state of being high and losing contact with reality. You are losing contact with your energy 
your emotions, and your body. It is a realm of intoxication and vague pleasure. And with each of the four Yana states, you get higher and higher. From the Bodhisattva point of view, it is kind of indulgence, a sort of Yana opium den. As you go through the Bhumis, you transcend such god realm. In the first Bhumi, your experiences are very festive. However, your discriminating awareness still functions, and there is a pervasive quality of earthliness. So the feeling of joy and appreciation is still coming from a view of basic sanity, whereas there is actually very little joy in the blissful god realm. The purpose of the path of meditation is to transcend the three worlds, the world of desire, the world of form, and the formless world totally and completely. Now on this path, or quest as we may call it, said Mr. Kismet, we examine the mental attitude in such meditative absorptions. Examine the degree of the watcher or witness. By doing so, we see that although we might experience a state of absorption or bliss, it is not joy, but pleasure. And that leads us to the eight limbs of yoga. We develop sanity because we practice the Eightfold Path, which is an attitude for overcoming fear. This attitude towards life at the second Bhumi is one of enormous power and energy. You are not afraid of taking responsibility. You are also beginning to comprehend the meaning of Dharma Dhatu, the space of Dharma. You understand the meaning of it, and you see such a discovery as worthy of respect. It is a deepening of the shunyata experience of the first Bhumi, in which you see the emptiness and fullness simultaneously existent of the phenomenal world. You see the formlessness and fullness of reality. Both the spaciousness and active manifestation happen in the realm of experience and are clearly comprehended while doubts of the nature of reality are cleared. That is the experience of Dharmadhatu. That's why the second Bhumi is called spotless. It is said in old scriptures that a seeker that discovers the second Bhumi will become a king or queen, a leader or a wise person. You begin to regard yourself as a Dharma Raja, a righteous sovereign ruler of Dharma. The joyful experience of the first Bhumi leads to a sense of relaxation and you understand completely the needlessness of fear. There are no dark corners. Your discipline is spotless, and your experience becomes open, powerful, and immaculate, said forgiveness. Ah, so. Yes, now you know. Time to grow, said Mr. Kismet. A time to let go, said forgiveness. <laughs>